Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Lara Marie Shanehalls. And I'm Carrie O'Donnell. And together, we are the hosts of Sexy Unique Podcast, a podcast for geniuses about reality TV, pop culture, and every once in a while, a tangent about 9-11. I mean, it really affected all of us. On Sexy Unique Podcast, we insist on discussing the creme de la creme of reality television. From the current season of Vanderpump Rules to tried and true classics like early seasons of Real Housewives of New Jersey, to underrated gems like VH1's Rock of Love, and even Gallery Girls, we're talking about all of it. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Sexy Unique Podcast now on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever podcasts matter. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a mini episode from M's Books and Cats podcast. And I am sharing my book, Catching Cats, a chapter a week. And this week, we're on chapter four. Enjoy. Maria stumbled home as the sky was just turning from day to night. The sun burned through the dust, a bright red ball in the haze, and turned the sky pink and orange. It would have been beautiful if it were not so ominous. I spotted Maria as she emerged from the forest. She was limping and moving slowly. My heart leapt into my throat, and I ran to meet her. She was in bad shape. One leg had a long, bloody scratch— and her pants flapped as she moved. Her face was caked in mud, and there were scratches on her cheeks. One eye was swollen shut and purple. A nasty wound ran just underneath it. Lark! She cried out when she saw me, and then she collapsed. I scooped her up and ran for the apartment. The sun was behind the trees now. Shafts of orange light shone through the thick leaves and branches. It was setting fast, I thought I heard something as we ran, a hiss and a yowl, not very far beyond the trees. I ran as fast as I could. My legs were stiff from sitting on watch all day, and they burned with the effort. I tripped on the stairs and sent us both sprawling. My head made contact with the railing, and I saw stars. Maria cried out, but she managed to pull herself to her feet. I crawled up the stairs. The sky was darkening. Again, I thought I heard something as I pulled myself up the stairs and to my feet. Maria was already at our door. We ran inside and slammed the door behind us. I quickly locked it and felt relief at the sound of the bolt engaging. We were safe. Maria stood on shaky legs, staring at me with her good eye. There were fresh tears on her face. She winced as they touched her wounds. Wordlessly, I embraced her, and her body shook in my arms. I held her for a long time. When she quieted, I led her into the bathroom and helped her clean her cuts. 
I left her in the bath and went into the kitchen to get some ice. That's when I heard it. Scratching. Very light, but unmistakable. At the front door. It followed her home. I did the best I could to ignore it. Maria was exhausted and went to bed right after her bath. I sat on the edge of the bed and stroked her hair. Her face was flushed and burning with fever. Even after cleaning them, her wounds were ugly. I almost caught it, she said as she was falling asleep. I almost caught it. I brushed back the damp hair from her forehead and placed my hand against her skin. It was hot. I laid a cool cloth across her brow and she sighed. Her eyes were closed, but she reached out her hand and held mine. We stayed that way until she drifted off to sleep. Once I was certain she was asleep, I carefully extracted my hand and tiptoed out of the room. I crept to the front door and stopped, listening. But I heard nothing. I waited. Maybe it got tired and went away. Maybe whatever Maria had done was enough. Maybe she was safe. A moment later, a furious scratching at the door told me I was wrong. I turned and fled back to the bedroom I shared with Maria and dove under the covers. I buried my head under my pillow, clamping it down tight over my ears. I stayed that way for a long time. When I finally dared to lift the pillow, the sound had stopped. Maria was still sleeping peacefully. I stared at the ceiling and waited for sleep to come. It was a long night. I must have drifted off at some point because I awoke to bright sunlight and Maria standing beside the bed. She was swaying on her feet, and her good eye was bright and glassy. I jumped out of bed and felt her forehead. The fever still raged. You can't go. You're burning up. Maria knelt to tie her boots. Every movement was deliberate and slow. She didn't answer me. Maria, look at me. Her cheeks were flushed her eyes too bright. She looked at me without speaking, yet I knew at that moment that this was the end. She was fading fast. Don't go, please. My voice broke. For years I tried to be strong for everyone. I never cried, at least not when I could be seen. I spent my breaks at work crying silently in a corner of the warehouse, but I never cried at home. I couldn't stop the tears now. They slipped out without warning. Maria put her arms around me, and there was no holding back. I sobbed. My body shook and she held me patiently and rubbed my back in smooth circles. The way I had done for her. It wasn't fair to make her comfort me. She was dying, probably today. She faced a far worse fate than I did, and she faced it bravely. I tried to pull myself together. There would be time to cry while I sat on watch. I backed out of her embrace and wiped my eyes. Maria wiped the tears from my cheek. She looked at me, and for a moment, her eye was clear again. I have to go. I know. She didn't have a choice. I knew that. Once a cat was spotted, there was nowhere to hide. She had to catch it, or she had to die. In the early days of the epidemic, before many people knew what was happening, 
Some people chose to ignore the cats. Maybe they didn't understand. Maybe they were afraid. They hid in their homes, and after several nights, the cats descended. Families were killed. Neighborhoods destroyed. Now everyone knows, when a cat chooses you, you go into the forest alone. I held her a little longer. She clung to me. But neither of us cried again. This was it. She would either return victorious or she would not return at all. Considering that no one ever caught the cats, I wasn't hopeful. Maria released me and stood straight and tall. She looked strong despite the fever and her wounds. Maybe she could do it. I had to believe in her. I had to believe she would do the impossible. I love you, Lark. She kissed me on the cheek. I love you, too. I fought the urge to embrace her again, to hold her and keep her from walking out the door. I stayed on my feet until the door closed behind her. Then I collapsed and sobbed for hours. My pain was an unstoppable force. I curled up in a ball and just let it come. I was alone. There was no reason to be strong anymore. Eventually, I cried myself out. I got to my feet shakily and went outside to sit on watch and wait. The sun was high, a red ball through the dust cloud. The day was hot and the ground baked, sending up more dust than usual. It was difficult to see anything beyond the street. The forest was a dark shadow in the haze. If I could shut off my brain, I would. I don't want to think anymore. My usual routine kept the memories at bay, but sitting here day after day, just waiting, leaves me with nothing else to do but remember. I don't want to remember. Jeremy went soon after Minnie. I think he went looking for a cat. My brother was long gone by then. Truly, we lost him when father went, and each loss after chipped away another part of him. He became obsessed with the beasts. In the days following father's disappearance, he wandered the city. He searched the ruins for any scraps of information he could find. He claimed he found an old woman who had caught a cat and returned. I thought he was mad. People rarely made it to old age these days. He drew her description of the cats, and they were horrible. Big and covered with patches of fur. Long claws like curved blades. Sharp, needle-like teeth. From what Jeremy could piece together, the cats of our time had come in contact with some odd chemicals, hundreds of years earlier. Our ancestors had something to do with it, but I was never clear on the details. Most of the records and artifacts of the old times were lost in the Great Fires. No one is certain how our ancestors lived, but the ruins have given us enough to assume they were a gadget-loving people. Somehow, building these gadgets involved cats, which were smaller and more docile. Something went wrong, and cats vanished from the world for a long time, followed by the other animals. Not much survived the great fires, or the scarcity afterward. I scoffed at Jeremy, that he would believe that somehow these scrawny creatures survived in secret and grew into the monsters he drew on the walls. I wished he hadn't done that, or had at least kept it in his own room. 
His drawings were detailed nightmares, which made each hunt that much more upsetting. Jeremy started the drawings after father went. Mother never noticed. When she and Rosie went, he started drawing them in the living room. They scared Minnie, but he would become violent if you tried to wash them away. He became a different person. He rose at dawn and spent a few hours drawing. Then he would disappear, supposedly to see the old woman. He would not return until evening. He came home later and later. Some days he did not set foot inside until the sky was already a deep blue. He smiled to himself every time he cheated death, as if it was a game, as if he had to prove how far he could stretch the boundaries. When Minnie went, he stopped drawing. He spent most days sitting on the porch, still on watch for her. His eyes stared at nothing, and he barely moved. They crusted over with dust because he did not blink. He would wait until after dark had settled, and the world was quiet. Only then would he rise and wait just a moment longer, challenging the unseen cats in the darkness, demanding that they take him. One night they did. He waited too long. I begged him to come inside. I was afraid and wanted to shut the door, slide the bolt and lock out the night. He wouldn't come inside. I was angry. I was shouting at him and calling him every name that came to mind. Maria was sitting in the corner of the living room with her back to his horrid drawings and crying. I was fed up. Jeremy, come inside. This is it. I mean it. I'm counting to ten and then I'm shutting the door. He ignored me. He stood with his chest puffed out, his back facing me. Every minute he grew more cocky, more sure that he would not die, that he alone would not be taken. Suddenly his body tensed and he uttered something under his breath. What is it? I hissed under my breath. Something in the air had changed. There was another presence. The life seemed to drain out of him all at once. He turned to me, and his face was ashen. His dark eyes were wide with fear. Lark, he said softly, just barely moving his lips. Close the door. What? Come inside first. Hurry up. He shook his head slowly. It's too late. Shut the door. Now. I hesitated. I didn't want to close the door and leave him out in the night, but I knew. I knew from the way he spoke and the light draining from his eyes that it was already too late. We locked eyes and he nodded at me. I shut the door and drew the bolt. No! I almost jumped out of my skin when Maria screamed and leapt for the door. Without thinking, I slapped her hard across the face. She grabbed her cheek and stumbled back. Her eyes were wide with surprise, but they were clear. She understood. It's too late. He pushed it too far. That jerk had to challenge them. He pushed it too far. Now I was the one screaming and crying. I punched a pillow, but it wasn't enough. I grabbed a blue glass bowl, Jeremy's favorite, and hurled it onto the floor. It exploded into a million tiny shards. I walked through the mess without noticing the cuts on my feet or the blood trailing behind me. I walked to the biggest, most horrific one of his drawings and put my fist through its bright yellow eye. Maria didn't come home. 
The gnawing pain in my heart told me she wouldn't, but I still clung to my last shred of stupid hope. Until the sun went down. I waited as long as I dared out on the balcony, straining to see in the failing light, looking for my sister, who would never come home again. I finally caved to fear and darted inside, certain that I had heard something rustling in the bushes below the balcony. I slammed the door and locked it. Leaning against the solid wood, I slid down to the floor and sobbed. And that is the end of Chapter 4, Book Lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Catching Cats. I will be back next week with a brand new chapter. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep reading. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Laura Marie Shanehalls. And I'm Carrie O'Donnell. And together, we are the hosts of Sexy Unique Podcast, a podcast for geniuses about reality TV, pop culture, and every once in a while, a tangent about 9-11. I mean, it really affected all of us. On Sexy Unique Podcast, we insist on discussing the creme de la creme of reality television. From the current season of Vanderpump Rules to tried and true classics like early seasons of Real Housewives of New Jersey to underrated gems like VH1's Rock of Love and even Gallery Girls, we're talking about all of it. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Sexy Unique Podcast now on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever podcasts matter. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.